Hi everyone and welcome back to today's podcast. This is the New Era Property Podcast. I'm here with Lorraine. Hello. And today we want to keep this a little bit topical. I think on everyone's lips, no matter what article we read, no matter where we turn our faces to on social media, we can't get away from the energy price increase that is likely to be coming in or is coming in in about two weeks' time. So lots of people are worried. Lots of people are panicking about what they can do, especially for those that operate all-inclusive HMO properties where we pay the bills. So Lorraine, talk us through what we've done so far and how we are going to mitigate this to the best of our ability for our 130-odd HMO tenants. So we've done the best we can and it's a situation we find ourselves in not because of our own fault. So we've always made sure that we are on contracts, that we have negotiated our energy prices. But unfortunately, that doesn't mean that you are now going to end up on these um, variable prices because businesses have been going bust and we've automatically been handed over onto variable contracts. So um, we're currently with Octopus and we were with Avro on some of our contracts and that's meant that we're now experiencing a 54% price increase even though we had um, negotiated and fixed our prices in for two to three years on some contracts. So we're having to look at how we manage this going forward. So the first principle really is to make sure that we use less. So we're actually communicating and talking to our tenants actively, looking at how much energy they're using and just reviewing our situation. So we've currently got timer stats. So we installed some timer stats some while ago. Yeah, we took, um, oh gosh, I think we put timer stats in at least a couple of years ago. And we've got, I don't know how many, 20 odd, maybe more timer stats. So for those of you that don't know what timer stats are, so if I can just come in on this and say, before we talk about raising rents and how much that's going to be, there are things that we can do to try and bring, you know, the consumption down. Now, whilst you can't control the heating, remotely well you can't not let the tenant have access to the heating they have to have access to the heating 24 hours a day in order to be able to have their temperature in their bedroom at 18 degrees and the temperature in the communal areas at 21 degrees so we've got this parameter from 18 degrees to 21 degrees now as long as they can heat the property you know between those temperatures then everything is good and we're all compliant so you can't lock away your thermostat you can't hide it you can't take it away you can't put it out of reach but what you can do is you can get some smart thermostats and there's a load available on the market we've got hive we've got nest we've got inspire but we choose to use a really easy panel thermostat and that's called timostat now, we choose to use this because over the years, we've had a lot of different types of these devices and all of them connect to the internet. And what I found, well, certainly myself doing, is as soon as the tenant turns the heating up and it goes above, you know, 22, 23 degrees, then we turn it down because we get a notification on the app. Then the tenant turns it back up and then we turn it back down and it just turns into this ping pong game. So rather than sort of being a slave to the system, Timostat, is a mechanical system and it doesn't connect to the internet and what it does it replaces the current thermostat and it's got a boost system so you can set the minimum temperature at 18 so it will never go colder than 18 degrees and you can set the maximum temperature at 21 or 22 degrees so it's always going to be within those parameters now the tenant has to boost the system 
So you can have a boost button that is either two hours or four hours. When the tenant presses boost, the heating will come on and it will time down two hours or four hours and then turn itself off. So if it's nighttime, don't panic because the house temperature will rest at 18 degrees and it won't go any colder than that, which is within the capacity of, of what we have got to do as landlords. So I don't really think anyone needs the property you know, to be over 18 degrees at night time. I think it's toasty enough. But what it does for us is it makes sure that when the tenants leave the property, they go to work, they're not leaving the house, you know, on 25, 30 degrees and it's on all day long. And then when they come home, they're opening the windows to regulate the temperature. So that's our timer stat. So there are lots of different things available for that. But if you get sort of get these things installed now, that will certainly help you. Now, if you've got all electric properties, there are similar devices available from Screwfix that will plug into or next to the spur of your electric heater and they've got countdown timers on them as well. Yeah, so we've just been checking that they're all working, that the, all the temperatures are uh, have been set on the devices um, and we've actually realised that we missed one of the properties for whatever reason. Uh, but that's because that thermostat is connected to the hot water tank as well uh-huh. and the timer stats that we have or had on the, the the version that's before the ones that are available now only did um, heating. They didn't do hot water. But now there's a device that allows you to do hot water and heating. Cool. So there's there's one there that you know we need to catch up with. Um, and actually, it is a high spend property. We've looked at our um, our bills and made and just checking through everything and it, and it stands out as one that is particularly hot mm. and our cleaner has also been phoning us saying that she's having hot sweats um, while she's uh, while she's cleaning so we need to look into that then we need yeah. to get one of the newer systems and replace that because um, yeah we don't want those bills running away with us so what else are we doing then so we've got timo stats yeah how have we worked out how much the increase is going to be per property well I think you have to step right back from this because you can't a lot of people like the kind of the standing order schemes that you can put your bills and electricity on and you can just pay a monthly fixed fee and you know what your bills are each month but in a dynamic situation like this you can't rely on the fixed payments and I have a little bit of a paddy about this because I don't like the standing orders running away with us I like to know that our costs are under control some utility providers are cannot handle you providing them with monthly um, monthly readings, uh, so you you're not necessarily going to be paying actuals each month. But some providers can. So um, uh, we we do work with with some of the providers at the moment who are actually billing us monthly, and also we are providing um, monthly monthly re- meter readings to our our utility company as well, so that we know where we are in relation to the payment plan and we are actively phoning them up and increasing the the direct debits, these sort of things, so that we don't get too far behind. Now, what, what's important about that is if you know what your costs are, then you can react and you can start working with tenants in two ways. And it's not just about putting the rents up. It's also about working with them and saying, we've got this impact. Uh, It is costing X because you can now work that out because you've got actuals. And once you know how much extra it's costing you, you can then work with the tenants in that respect. So we can actually say to them, look, 
Um, we, we don't want to keep having to put the prices up. We are expecting another price increase in October as well. Mm. So, you know, hold on tight, but perhaps, you know, we can work together on this and it's actually to save energy. At this point that we are obviously within the realms of the law here. And if you've got a tenant on a fixed term contract, then you're not able to put their rent up during nope. that fixed term. And you can only put the rent up once every 12 months. So if you've already increased the rent between sort of the last 12 months, then you're not able to be able to put that rent up as well. So, you know, we've got a mixture of all of that. So we're not able to do it for all of our tenants, um, but we will, you know, be doing it for, for most of them. Now, we've not had much pushback. We've already put those letters out. We've already sent them. We've had one tenant that's made representations and everybody else has, well, they haven't done anything really. They've not said anything. So let's wait until the 1st of April and see what happens when the, um, mm. the direct debits and standing orders mm. come in. It is a bit of an admin nightmare as well because then you're relying on your tenants having received the letter to then change their standing order, yeah. um, to put it up, to change it. It's going to be a bit of a chasing game, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, and, and also you have to keep track of actually then somebody doesn't pay you an extra £30, whatever the price increase was, um, and then all of a sudden you've then got to chase £30 as well. So it, it is a bit of an admin nightmare. Do you know off the top of your head how much extra per month our utility bills are going to be across our portfolio um i i haven't annualized it that way but i do know the impact that we've been able to charge our tenants so we have actually tried to work because the trouble is we're not well, making any money on this right? no it's just going to be a, you know we're making sure we're breaking even yeah so like you said we've only been able to look at the tenants um, rents that we can move forward because they've been with us longer than six months uh, so we we've only been able to impact those but we can't apply the whole rent increase to three tenants out of six tenants for instance in a hmo so we've had to just look at the three and pro rata that based on the percentage increase mm. rather than because each house has a different energy use profile you know we talk about um, the energy efficiency of a house some of our properties are have been all electric some of our properties are, are with gas as well, and some of them are on um, the hot water, for instance, is is um, through a combi system, or it could be that the hot water is being put into a tank as well and, and, and stored. So all of these things have an impact, and if we've got electric showers, um, if we've got tumble dryers, so there's lots of things that impact the actual increase relative to, to the house, mm. and it's not easy to say there's a 54% increase on, on that we've bill. We've got one property, haven't we? It's on three phase. It's all electric. And that bill's gone up from 800 to 1,500. Yeah. Literally overnight. Yeah. And that's on based on actual readings as well. I've got a bit of a graph here. It's quite interesting. This has come from the BBC website. And it shows how your fuel bill is broken down. Now, how much profit do you think the networks are making per person on a, on a fuel bill on an annual cost of £1,971? How much do I think the utility company are making? Mm, yeah. it, it's actually very small, isn't it? I think it's like... Another guess. Mm, I want to say a fiver. It's £35. Okay. £35. <laughs> now, the source is Ofgem, but it's come from the BBC website. So this, it's got a little graph and it sort of breaks it down to say that on a total annual cost of £1,971, a typical customer on a price-capped dual fuel 
tariff, paying by direct debit, wholesale costs of that, £1,077. Network costs, including the pipe and the wires, £371. Operating costs, including billing and metering, £185. Policy costs, including environmental schemes, £153. VAT, £94. It says others, I don't know what that means, £56, which leaves them just with a profit of £35. Yeah, but if you think about that, it's, it's a scale game, isn't it? It's a volume game. Because if you've got 10 million households, I don't know what, let's like British Gas, Do EDF, we need more renewable energy, don't we? Yeah, E.ON, all of those, they must have, uh, I don't know how many million homes there are in the UK, but we're, we're what, 65 million people? So if we have, let's, I don't know, what, what, what do we think the number of homes are in the UK but if you've got 10 million customers and you're charging them £35 each a year profit that's 350 million is my maths right um, it, which is a staggering amount of money to be taking 28.1 million houses or thereabouts in the UK right okay there we go that's so that you know times that by 35 pound that's a lot of profit in the energy industry otherwise it wouldn't be if they were making that much money they wouldn't be dropping like flies at the moment would they yeah and, and you know i was just thinking about that why did they drop like flies because if they they were dropping like flies as such then they must have been out of control of their wholesale costs so maybe they were speculatively buying yeah. and fulfilling customers needs based on their ability to buy at the time rather than forward contract um, we all need to be self-sustainable we all need a little a little windmill in the garden yeah and i was wondering as well how does it impact the people that have got solar panels and the feeding tariff all those fixed mm. are they are they in a better position because now their feeding tariff is, you know, is it topping up their electricity? Um, mm. There's lots of things to consider in the energy market. It's not going away, is it? And no. we've got to... I think it's important to say as well that, you know, this is a property show, It's you know, but this is very topical. We do get these curveballs that are thrown every two or three years in the property industry. We've got this at the moment. We had the HMO licensing regulation changes in 2018 additional licensing article 4 clause 24 tax we've got the repeal of section 21 coming epc levels going to c there's a lot of stuff going on now i do know that this might be the straw that breaks that camel's back for a lot of investors to say i was thinking about getting out i'm going to get out anyway but we've got to look at the opportunity as well because for every you know problem there is always an opportunity and that opportunity now is for those that wanting to build a lease purchase option portfolio a rent to rent portfolio if you're targeting the right people now and we're discussing this openly and explaining how you can help those landlords by taking away that energy cost because that burden will then become yours you pass it on to your tenant then you could potentially get a lot of deals from this little blip that we're going through at the moment yeah you know the property market is so strong at the moment the rental market is so strong it's not going to change this is a thing that isn't going to be localized so it's not just if you're in somerset you're going to put your prices up but so are we and we're over in worcester so it's not as if the tenant can leave and say well i'm going to move next door because they're not putting their prices up everyone's going to have to do the same they are and i think that 
what when you were talking as well, it made me think there are definitely opportunities um, to go out there and, and source new properties from landlords. But if you do have any existing um, properties, it's also worth going and checking, you know, are they still the opportunity they were two years ago? And mm. actually, do you need to dispose of them? Do you need to see if you can get into break clauses and, and, and look at the profitability overall? Because we're in the game to make money and that has to be, that that helps us do what we do. It helps us provide homes. If you're in a loss-making situation and you have, a, you know, you're growing a portfolio and you want to go out there and take more opportunity, then you have to look at the whole picture and make sure that you're profitable overall. So I, I think the, you know, we have to sort of balance the, the portfolios out and make sure that everything that we do um, is calculated, is done with the evidence in front of us and, you know, is realistic based on the actual numbers we, we actually present. Yeah. Don't manipulate the numbers. No. The numbers don't lie. Make sure that you don't try and put a square peg into a round hole or whatever it is that they say. I hope that was useful, folks. A little bit of topical stuff at the moment. We do want to make sure that we bring all of these topical issues to the table. I think the next thing is going to be EPCs. I think the human race is very good at burying their head in sand and then not actually being proactive and also being reactive so i think the next glut of property that's going to be coming onto the market is going to be around 2024 2025 when all of those landlords are going to have to go to epc level c and they say I'm not doing it. I can't afford it. So let's just see what happens. So I hope that you enjoyed the show. Don't forget, please do leave a review and be back here for the next one. Until then, have a great week. Bye.